first reading is taken from page 576 in the Church Bibles and is from Psalm 57, beginning at verse 7. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the letter of Paul to the Romans, chapter 1, beginning at verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I'm bound both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of men, who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, we thank you for the fact that you revealed yourself to us through the world in which we live and the glory of your creation, through your special revelation, your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that you will reveal yourself to us this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit. For Jesus' sake, amen. From time to time as Christians, we can be asked some interesting and challenging questions. One that's being asked, I suppose, at the moment in society is, what value has religion in a secular society? The secular press simply don't recognise the fact that 75% of the world's population follow a religion of some kind. And that leads to a second question. Well, if this God of yours exists, why is the world in such a mess? Why doesn't he do something about it? Well, I believe that St. Paul gives us an answer to the question this morning in those words that we've just heard in Romans chapter 1 and verse 25. They, and today, people exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Notice the similarity with Psalm 57 that we heard read just a moment ago, the Psalm of David, where he said, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I'll come back to that if I have time. Our sermons recently have been based on the book by A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God. And we're now into chapter 7, chapter 8, which is about restoring the creator-creature relation. And biblical Christians believe that the problems of the world stem from the broken relationship between the creator God and those whom he has created. It's described in the Bible as the fall of man, and it describes the broken relationship through our human disobedience, our human weakness, which we call sin. And Tozer, in his book, writes this, The cause of all our human miseries is a radical moral dislocation, an upset in our relation to God and to each other. For whatever else the fall may have been, it was most certainly a sharp change in man's relationship to his creator. He adopted toward God an altered attitude 
and by so doing destroyed the proper creator-creature relation in which, unknown to him, his true happiness lay. Essentially, he says, salvation is the restoration of a right relationship between man and his creator, a bringing back to normal of the creator-creature relation. So why is the world in such a mess? Tozer answers, scriptures tell us that it is, it is because of the broken relationship between ourselves as creatures and our creator God. We believe as Christians that it is as a result of a restoration of the relationship between God and the created beings through the transformation of individuals that society and the world can be changed. Romans chapter 1, verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, worshipped and served the Creator rather than the Creator. Do you recognise that going on in society today? Perhaps even in our own lives, there are things, even as Christians, that get in the way of our relationship, our pursuit of God, because they're more important, more important than God in our lives. And scripture is very clear that the essence of sin is godlessness. And in verse uh, one, chapter 1, verse 18, he says in Romans, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Their wickedness is godlessness. And the very mention of the word wrath of God's wrath today causes embarrassment to some. The brilliant hymn songwriter, singer Stuart Townend had his hymn, In Christ Alone, rejected by numerous hymn book compilers because he refers in it to the wrath of God being satisfied through the death of Christ on the cross. But that's scripture. That's what scripture teaches. That's what Paul teaches, that God's wrath was satisfied through Jesus' death on the cross. As humans, we sometimes fly off the handle. I know that I've inherited my mum's quick temper. Sometimes when we fly off the handle, we desire revenge against the person or the situation that we've encountered. Anger and wrath can often be emotional, irrational, and it can be a dangerous thing, leading to spitefulness, vindictiveness, backstabbing, dare I use that expression, and worse. God's wrath is totally different from human anger. He doesn't fly off the handle or lose, lose his temper. God's anger is hostility to evil, to godlessness, and he judges it justly because godlessness is an attempt to get rid of God. Those of us who are older will remember Alistair Campbell's words during Tony Blair's time, we don't do God. And you may have noticed how the secular press in the UK have been very twitchy about their perception of the four, or five can four of the five candidates for the Tory leadership, regardless of their politics, because they claim to have had a faith. One writer, an atheist, said, leave God 
at the, at the gates of the palace of Westminster. While the next day, a Jewish journalist said, no, don't leave God out of politics. Allow God, your faith, to help you and inform you in your decision-making by helping you to transform lives. I like that. And Paul writes that in his day, people suppress the truth. And that's equally valid today. And the truth that Paul describes in uh, Romans 1 verses 19 to 20 is that the knowledge of God is available to us through the natural order. What can be known about God is plain to us. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. So people are without excuse. And what Paul is saying is that the, the creation visibly discloses God's power through its beauty and its power, and through it, Paul says, people have no excuse for rejecting the idea of a creator God. Of course, it's not the same as acknowledging his saving grace revealed in the special revelation of Jesus Christ. So failure to acknowledge God leads to condemnation. And in verses 21 to 24 of Romans, Paul outlines that the relationship with the Creator has been broken in two ways. And they are still relevant today. Our Western society has an obsession with the cult of celebrity and the worship and adulation of individuals, which is akin to idolatry. I learned a few years ago how to airbrush or Photoshop photographs to change their appearance. Of course, I don't need to, um, but in this case... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I remember a celebrity mum was due to come to a first-year parents' evening. The queue for the mirror in the gents' toilets had to be seen to be believed. I didn't teach this particular celebrity mum's son that year, but during the evening I was sitting there in a lull in the proceedings. My colleague said, there she is. And I looked up, and there was this image without war paint, scruffy pair of jeans, no doubt extremely expensive, and a top that looked like it had come out of Oxfam. And the lines on her face were all too visible, not at all like the airbrushed image that I read or saw in Vogue magazine. Not that I buy it, it was in the dentist, so you have to do something. <laughs> the tabloids have a nickname for her, and they love her because she's uh, unconventional, shall I say, um, but held in high, high regard by them because it's good, good press. And I thought to myself, what a false image that we get. And what a, a sad society we live in where the cult of celebrity is so important. People worship the creature rather than the creator. In the interest of fairness, gentlemen, when Glenn Hoddle brought his stepson to school, the women doled themselves up uh, as well. The reason for the breakdown in the relationship, first of all, is idolatry. And idolatry can be anything that gets in the way of our relationship 
with God. It's not just worship of images or people. And the second reason comes in verse 24. False gods created by humans is the misuse of human sexuality. Not specified in this verse, but the degrading of their bodies with one another. And the misuse of sex degrades people's humanness and leads people away from the Creator. But because as humans we have free will given to us by God, God permits us to be separated from him, though it pains him to let us go. You notice that Paul ends with the doxology of praise about the Creator who is forever praised. In verse 25, he could do that because he knew that God had provided the answer to brokenness. So we read in Paul's letter to the Colossians, 1 and verse 22, that now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Tozer again. Salvation is the restoration of the right relationship between man and his creator, bringing back to normal the creator-creature relationship lost through the fall. So why doesn't God do something? We've got the problem of a broken relationship. Why doesn't God do something? Of course, the answer is he has. He's done it through the death of Jesus on the cross to bring about the reconciliation between man and, or other, humankind and us uh, and himself. So he's doing something today to change lives, changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he will do something finally when Jesus Christ returns to end the injustices in this world and to deal with those who've misled people in their worship of the creature rather than the creator. Historically, Jesus died on the cross. Peter says, Christ suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. How does that work out in practice? Well, the judicial um, sentence was performed by Jesus' death. The experience comes through our relationship with God. And the parable of the prodigal son is probably the best example of the restoration of a relationship between a father and a son. And it describes our relationship restored as we turn back to God and ask for his forgiveness and receive new life in return. Jesus said, there is joy in heaven when someone who's denied the truth of God in, in Christ comes to put their trust in him. Saint Augustine was probably one of the greatest saints in, in history, but before he became a Christian, his life was a desperate search for fulfillment, and he found fulfillment only in faith in Jesus Christ. As he was reading Romans 6, he discovered that God forgave him and gave him new life. And 10 years after his baptism, he wrote the Confessions uh, and described his re-established relationship with his Creator. And he said this, you made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Paul writes, in Corinthians, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, 
and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Such is God's dislike, hatred even, of the broken relationship. He's taken the initiative to restore it, and he has committed to us that message of reconciliation. If we know God as our Father, experience his forgiveness, we need to share that message out into the world. As we pursue God more fully in our lives, I hope we can follow the example of David, who in Psalm 57 was able to give praise to God in spite of the terrible situation in which he found himself pursued by King Saul under threat of death. And in the cave, he penned that psalm. It's worth reading in the quietness of your own homes, in which he went from repentance to trust to asking God to reveal himself in all the world. We as Christians experience sometimes huge difficulties. We face huge challenges. Psalm 57 is a great psalm to read because it acknowledges not ourselves, but God. And David forced himself to praise God for his glory and majesty, even sometimes when he didn't feel like it. In my Bible reading notes this week, I'll just share with you something that confirmed the message for today. The writer says it seems an unrealistic aim that the the whole earth reveres or fears the Lord. I can kneel before the Creator, and in the midst of my tears at the chaos and pain that envelops the world, acknowledge God's authority, that it remains intact and offers hope in the middle of hopelessness. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the world. We need to be agents of of God's love and seek to restore the broken relationship through God's Spirit in our interaction with people at a personal level, because that's the the level that we really operate mostly, but through it into the wider community and the wider world. Let's bow our heads to pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the wonder of your love revealed to us in Jesus. Help us to experience your love and your restoring power. Help us to pursue you above all things. Remove from us and our lives those things that separate us from you. And help us to share your reconciling love in our needy world today. For Jesus' sake. Amen.